Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Comadres y Comics. <laughs> this is episode 71 and we're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, everyone. Yay! Woo-hoo. Yay, we have listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to everyone. So, how's everything going, girls? It's going well. I didn't mention this in our last episode, but I want to shout out to me for finishing the LA Marathon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. I meant to ask because we were talking about upkeep and our eyebrows and stuff. Yes. And then and then we just went on to a different tent and yeah. then I just forgot. Yeah. But yes, Kristen ran the whole marathon. How many miles was that? A marathon is 26.2 miles. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> like just just thinking about it makes me hurt. Um, I definitely hurt for a couple of days after I was really sore. But um, I've run four marathons. This is my fourth marathon, full marathon, and my second time running Los Angeles. Although my first time running this new course where it starts in Dodger Stadium and ends at the Santa Monica Pier, close to the Santa Monica Pier, mm-hmm. uh, and um, this. Marathon is the first time that while I was running it, I never once thought I was not going to finish. Really? Yes. That's there, great. And the nice. other, some of my other marathons, there were some real like come to Jesus moments that I was like, <laughs> I don't care how much I put into this. I don't care how much I, money, time, effort, sweat, tears. I'm stopping right now. Come pick me up. Oh. Back then there was no Uber, but just some, somebody come get me. But this one actually, I felt, um, not not good. <laughs> I'm not going to say I felt good the entire way, but I felt capable the entire way. And there was um, always uh, the thought that, OK, I can do this. That is so awesome. Yeah, that so. is amazing. How did you get started running marathons? Um that's a funny story. Um, one day, a piece of mail came into um, my mailbox that said, do you want to go to Hawaii? And you said yes. And it was um, come to our info meeting um, and learn how you can raise money to end stroke and um, fund stroke research and also visit Hawaii. So turns out what um, this was a um, American Heart Association affiliate, um, the American Stroke Association, put on um, a training program where you trained for the marathon and then you also raised money to donate to um, the American Stroke Association. And so it was $3,500 that you had to raise. Wow. And that money went to um, fund your trip and your hotel and everything when you were in Hawaii, but then the rest of the money went to um, the research and um, the association. So that's cool. That 
I came home and I told my roommate, you want to go to Hawaii? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you, all you got to do is. <laughs> <laughs> and so actually my best friend and I did it. And she ended up running it while three months pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. So um, we were younger in those days. <laughs> but I, I ran my first marathon when I was 30. Um, so wow. I started running later. And then... I on the high of finishing that marathon, I um, continued to train and I ran L.A., which was in March. Then um, I was like, I want to keep going. And I had always wanted to go to New York. And wow. so I was like, I'm going to apply to go to New York because New York is such um, a uh, popular race that you can't just... For those of you who might have seen Britney Runs a Marathon, yes. you know that you can't just sign up and pay money and go. You actually sign up and put your name into a lottery. Ah. And your name gets picked. And if your name gets picked, then you can pay and... And you can go and uh, run the New York Marathon. So it was my very first time trying out and I got picked. And so so I ran the New York City Marathon. You run in all of the boroughs. You run across several bridges. Um, It was an experience and um, it was really amazing. It's my favorite my favorite course that I've ever run. Um, the cultural diversity of the city, you really get to see going through all of the boroughs. Um, uh, the Bronx were was the last <laughs> borough that I ran through, and I ran, I was so slow, it was already getting dark. And, wow. <laughs> and oh, there was a little kid <laughs> on a bike, must have been eight years old. He could not have been over that like eight to ten maybe uh-huh. is riding his bike like going in circles like Around weaving you? in and out of people oh, and here okay. I come and he just comes right towards me and swerves at the last minute and yells at me run you fat bitch run I'm oh, like oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> what the hell <laughs> and I was like that little kid oh no <laughs> So that is the most memorable moment I've had of running the New York City Marathon. I'll never forget that little kid. Oh, my God. I wonder what he's doing now. (laughs) That's crazy. So, um... If you're in the Los Angeles area, I'm going to give a quick little plug to the L.A. Lagers. It is a nonprofit organization that meets in Santa Monica every Saturday. And they have a training season that coincides with the Los Angeles Marathon. And they start training in June of every year. And they train all the way through to the marathon, which generally happens in March of the following year. And you meet every Saturday. You run um, mileage that slowly builds upon itself. And then um, during the week, you're expected to do your own mileage and and run on your own to um, maintain your fitness level. Um, but you meet the most amazing people. You the everyone is so supportive and helpful. And um, this is the first time that I ran with a group where we like stayed together during all the trainings. Like the other groups I've trained with, you show up and you talk and whatever, but everyone just takes off and they're all different paces. But this actually, this um, group 
they um, put you into a pace group and you run as a group. So Mm -hmm. you like talk to each other and you motivate each other and you just really um, build a network of support throughout the whole training season. Um, It's uh, it's a nonprofit organization. Everyone who's involved is a volunteer. Um, There is a fee. It's $75 for all of those months of training, which is like amazing. That is really cheap. Yes. If you think about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, if you don't have to run the marathon and in fact, I had no intention of doing it when I signed up for the Lagers. I just wanted to get back into running because I had gotten really out of shape and health issues just really made me want to get back into doing something um, for my fitness. And everybody's excitement and just talking about it and people who had done it in the past. And they played a, a video the first day that I went showing like what it's like to run and to be <laughs> in this like camaraderie. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I seriously thinking about running the LA Marathon again and I did and I, I'm i actually now considering maybe going back this next training season and being a mentor for um, for my um, pace group so that is so that cool would, that yeah. would be really awesome yeah. but yeah. this also came after you broke your ankle yes yeah. so I mean this was not only one you know what do you call it, mo- monumental moment yes but it was like a a myriad of moments that yeah. you, you, what do you call it when, como se dice, ayúdame por favor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like when you're, uh, when you surpass something, something, you know. Accomplishment? Accomplishment. Yeah. 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 Yes. Definitely. Because when I first broke my ankle, um, I never thought that I was going to ever be able to do any kind of exercise again that, uh, that, um, entailed me actually standing on my own two feet Mm -hmm. um and uh it's been two years it was two years on march 1st that i broke my ankle and honestly i still don't have full range of motion um it still gets very stiff and sore and i have to stretch it out and really work uh, on it and make sure that um i um don't re-injure it. Um, mm-hmm. There's some times where I'm just walking down the street and I step wrong into like a little crack mm-hmm. and my ankle gives out on me. Mm-hmm. So it has definitely been a journey of me struggling. And there were times where I would just cry on the couch because I I really wanted to get back into running and I, and I thought that I wasn't going to be able to. Yeah. Um, and actually my, my PT person, the physical therapist, was an older gentleman who told me that running wasn't good for me and I shouldn't do it. And wow. so I came home that day from physical therapy and cried to my husband and was like, and he said I couldn't do it and blah, blah. And Eddie's like, Kristen, <laughs> just calm down. We're, we're going to work on this and we're, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I went to my, an orthopedic surgeon and I told him my physical therapist said I'm never going to run again. And he looked at me and he rolled his eyes. He's like, I've worked with athletes who um, broke their ankle or their leg or whatever worse than you. And um, all you got to do is use common sense. If it hurts, stop. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, just work through it and you, you'll be able to get, to do it. And yeah. so based on what he said, I went back and I started. And it was it was slow going, but I did it. But so. you did it. Yes. That's so <laughs> That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Yes, and I have got the Chisme. 
So uh, a couple of, a while ago now, I think, uh, DC Comics did a little shakeup on who their editor-in-chief was and stuff That's like that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. There was so, so much cheese around that. Yes, there was a lot. Uh, but basically, Dan Didio had been the acting editor-in-chief for DC Comics, and now he no longer is. And I'm actually not entirely sure who is now. Guinness, but... Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've chosen somebody yet. Or I think uh, Jeff Jones is back in it, back as editor-in-chief oh, for uh-huh. like a bit. Uh, I'll have to really look that one up. But no, uh, this cheese is following the fact that uh, because of the shakeup, a lot of comic there's been a lot of comic book shakeups yes. in DC as well. Really? Yeah. yeah, apparently. So that's how like, you know, black label and all that stuff mm-hmm. happen and um while there's like they're really throwing support behind other things as well. Uh so it's a it's a new and interesting times for DC comics right now. However, because of this change up, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are teaming up together again to continue a sequel to Dark Knight's Metal. Really? It's Dark Knight's Death Metal. Oh, oh I know. Oh my god, so gritty. So <laughs> dark. <laughs> so um uh it's so it was supposed to be like kind of like a short six piece thing that they were gonna uh-huh. do uh from the Fire miniseries, but apparently it has blown up a lot and this might be the future of DC Comics. Interesting. Wow. Because so far this had kind of been taking it was main continuity, uh, but kind of like there was other stuff going on. But uh Scott Center has just wrapped up his uh Justice League run and he has uh he's about to finish Hell Arisen. Oh and right. um, um once those finish that's when uh Dark Knight's uh death metal is supposed to come out. Uh and it's gonna take over the whole D C universe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um um and of course, it, like people love the work of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Greg Capullo is, well, I do like his art. Uh, I think he is. He definitely has the art of comic book art down to a T. Um, uh, there's there's some people who are super diehard fans for him, and they're just like, he's like he's like the Scott Campbell of like regular comics instead oh, of uh-huh. cover arts. Um, um, but it's going to be it's. It's going to be focusing on the Batman Who Laughs, who is, of course, the Joker who took over the Batman role. And it will see the DC universe overwhelmed by dark multiverse energy. And it's going to be Wonder Woman who's going to be at the helm of fighting off uh, Batman Who Laughs. So uh, it's going to be super interesting. And it goes on sale May 13th. Wow. Uh, so uh, that's it's soon. That's soon. Really soon yeah. It's pretty soon. So that yeah, is... actually, I think I added it to someone's pool already. Yeah. So it's already available for pre-order to make a pull list for. So go ahead. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, if anything, whenever Scott Snyder makes something, he usually makes something that like hits. Because mm-hmm. uh, people love. Because people love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People love him, and they love Capullo. And I mean, Batman Who Laughs is now a staple. Uh, even though he hasn't been here very long, people just like, oh, like, he's so cool. Because if anything, Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder and Capullo have that down. They can make cool new characters that are just kind of like, yeah. that are just, the, they captivate an mm-hmm. audience. Uh, personally, not my style uh, of their work, um, uh, but I can see the appeal to them. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, their designs, I'm just like, oh, that's dope as fuck. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And, I mean, uh, with the whole Hell Arisen thing, there's a new... Uh, 
there's a new Joker girlfriend going around. Yep. And oh, I, yeah. I'm so sorry. I know she has a name, but in my head, it's just Joker girlfriend number two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that's, uh, that's how I have her in my mind. I don't. What is her name? Is it Punchline or is that's a different character? Punchline. I was going to say Parasite, but I was just like, no, Parasite's another uh, DC villain. That makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, also it wouldn't make sense. It's like Punchline or Bait or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> who, who knows? I I'll, think Punchline is a new character, but it might not be. Um, it might be. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I'm kind of out of the loop on that one. but Yeah, it's, it's Punchline. Okay, it's uh-huh. Punchline. Yeah. But like people went rabid for yeah, this they did. book. Yeah. <laughs> And it's technically not even her first appearance. Yeah. It's her first cameo. cameo. Ah. Uh, and she's going to have a couple of other cameos. She already came out in her second cameo, which is Batman number 89. So uh, there's going to be a third cameo. I don't know how many and cameos. And no, we do not have any first printings And no, in we show. don't have any first printings anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, other people beat you to it. But I don't know. Batman her... 89 was the toilet paper of the, <laughs> of the LCSs a couple of weeks ago. It was. <laughs> Everybody needed some. <laughs> yeah. But it was only her second. I like, we we were, there was this whole debate about what counts as a first appearance yeah. and what counts uh, as a cameo. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was back to that uh, Hulk 1, 181 versus Hulk 180 debate where technically uh, the first time we see Wolverine is in Hulk 180. And that's because on the last panel of the of on the last page of the comic book, you see his claws. Oh, wow. oh his head. Okay. yeah. That's it, though. Yeah. And that's now, but that's now considered a cameo. And Hulk one eighty one is his actual first full appearance. And that's the book that is worth more, even though by technicality it's Hulk one eighty. Wow. Um, uh, but Hulk one eighty one is the one that's considered his first appearance. Same thing with the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon. Uh, the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon was actually in a Marvel magazine. That is so. There were so few printings of it, and there's so little of them that it does not count as his first appearance anymore. Because wow. it's practically non-existent. So his first appearance is um uh, is a, in a comic. I forget oh. which. I believe it might be a Hulk comic as well. Mm. There was a lot of first appearances in Hulk comics. There was the first appearance of Groot, first appearance of Wolverine, first appearance of uh, uh, a couple of others. Um, but yeah, so that one's interesting. Uh, it was the same with one of with um, Superboy uh, in Lois and Clark. Yes. there was one issue where he find he he pulls out a a cape or the like the sweatshirt or something he was going to wear and people were like that's the first appearance but then the one preceding that uh superman actually calls him superboy and so then that i think it's 9 8 or 9 uh-huh. or that uh, goes back and forth and i have i loved lois and and uh clark uh-huh. um the uh the Superman, Lois, and Clark comic, and I enough to even collect them. And I'm not a Superman fan at all. Um, and I have them all except for that one because <laughs> everybody bought it up. Aww. Yeah. So um, uh, it's a it's an interesting debate, but yeah, but like now I think they're pushing it a little too far. I think they're extending it for a money grab, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. um, like I'm just like, okay, did you see her? Did you see her? Is she, is she there? That's her first appearance. <laughs> She's right there. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, 
I like I get the Hulk 180 181 thing because just a hand on a car isn't an appearance. Yeah. That's a cameo. Yeah. Um uh, but for punchline I'm just like she was there, she had a line of dialogue, that's her first appearance. Yeah, mm-hmm. she even uh-huh. had dialogue I would say. Yeah. The mm-hmm. other one not even a cameo, it's just like a mm-hmm. uh, a hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for Hell Arisen, I can understand it being her first cameo, but Batman 89, that's a full, whole-on first full appearance, yeah. so you can't change my mind. But, yep, that's what's going on in comic books right now. What time is it, Kristen? What time is it? Es la hora de la, la cervecita. cervecita. Yes. And this, this can that we are about to drink from right now, it looks very fancy to me for some reason. It looks like a Heineken bottle. <laughs> it looks like a, a little. It looks like a, a cross between a Heineken bottle and a Red Bull. It does look like uh. a Heineken now that you mention it. Okay, seriously, with all of this craziness going on at the grocery stores, what I find really interesting is that all the alcohol is still there. Oh yeah, people. Are, that's, all the beer is still there. Do you know how peasants made it through the Middle Ages? Yes, they were drinking exactly. ale they, yes. because water wasn't like so purified. No enough. lie, I almost bought a thirty pack of Modelo for twenty nine ninety nine at Target the other day because <laughs> <laughs> they were out of water. <laughs> I know. Hey, I was it, the might same a, thing. it might as well count as water. I know. <laughs> but I mean, it's all there. And so, I mean, right now, people, I guess, are um, they're, they're thinking more straight than, <laughs> than I am. Because, I, I mean, I would have thought, like, oh, it's end times, people, end times. You got to be um, drunk. You got to be drunk to get through. <laughs> I finally understand all those apocalypse drunks. In video games and in movies. Yeah. There's apocalypse drunks? That would be my role. <laughs> that is, yeah. There's always one in every movie. There's just some some wino there thrown on the ground. <laughs> thrown on the ground. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really attractive can. It's called resin. Well, it's it's skinny, first of all. So, skinny! So it does kind of look like a Red Bull as well, but it's green. I don't know. There's just something aesthetically they got it right. Like, yeah. if I saw that yeah. on the... On... OMG, it's so skinny. Waist snatch. <laughs> So this queen. this um, beer is resin. That's what it's called. And it is an American Imperial IPA style beer brewed by Six Point Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. Have we done Six Point before? It sounds familiar. No. I've mentioned it before because okay. I this was like one of my first like uh, beers that I liked that were not oh, the okay. regular yeah, yeah, yeah. lager uh-huh. slash whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well... Um, they have a little description here, which is super interesting. It says, we're talking about something called the lupulin shift. Have you ever heard of it? In nope. nature, bitterness indicates poison. So the first, in which, and when I read that, I'm like, yes, because when I went to outdoor education in sixth grade, we did this little, like, um, how to survive in the wilderness, and they told you, like, if you see a berry, don't just go eating berries because you're hungry. You got to put them in your mouth. If it's sour, if it's bitter, you probably shouldn't eat it. And also... Um, Stick it between your lip and your your and gum, your and if it goes numb, don't eat it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How come nobody taught me this? <laughs> you put any stuff in my mouth? <laughs> 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 <Could> kill me. <laughs> so, um, 
So bitterness indicates poison in nature. So goes to say that that first sip of beer doesn't offend the palate. It shouldn't offend the palate. And um, because it actually in nature, in humanity, in, in uh, 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 for us to actually survive, um, that poison inspires fear in us because mm. we know that um, our body knows that bitterness is... Poison. poison. Mm. Yeah, so... That's why I didn't like beer in the beginning. So it says, but... <laughs> but IPA is the most popular style in all of craft beers. So how does that work? So that was actually really interesting <laughs> to me to read. <laughs> because, yes, I people complain about IPAs being really bitter. Yes. So at some point, this distaste fear flips like a switch. The shift can happen over the course of months or over the course of a six pack. Seriously. (laughs) Then the fear turns to craving. I'm at that point. Um, It's like how pain and pleasure are so closely related. Ooh, I got tingly. I got tingly reading that sentence. Okay, so it says, don't fear the mysterious power of the hop cone. Embrace it. There are insane heights of flavors to be reached in there. Sure, it stings. But it feels so good at the same time. So it says, now that your brain's been shifted and the siren song of that hoppy resin comes calling, we're left with one question. Did we bring you over to the dark side or show you the light? (laughs) (laughs) Both of them to assume I'd fear death. (laughs) Oh, that's like that meme where it's like the millennials during the coronavirus, like, what? Like, I'm supposed to stay at home and not touch people, but, um, but... Uh, cruise tours to seven islands are at one ninety nine, <laughs> and I might die. Sign me up. <laughs> oh my that's God. uh, that's a mood. Yeah. What is this? Uh, nine point one. Um, it doesn't say on my paper, but yes, the actual can says um nine point one ABV. That's a lot of ABV. Packed into this little can, and even just touching this can, it's I know it's so, so soft. soft and just like the it looks satiny. The tone of the colors are like muted in a really cool way. Yeah, I don't know. So um, it says here, oh, this is a double IP. Is that it has two? It just says I I P A. But anyway, it says <laughs> we remember our first sip of hoppy beer. Do you? Nearly spit that shit out. (laughs) Now we fantasize about this stuff. Thinking about those hop cones bursting with juice, ripe as all hell, makes you look forward to that resin all day long. Can't wait. Oh, my God, I love this beer. (laughs) And I haven't even tasted it yet. All right. It's very sexy. (laughs) So where did you pick up this beer, Sarah? Um, I... I actually drank this beer a long time ago. Uh, This was before my first trip to New York, and this was like my first introductions to IPAs. Oh, okay. And this was by far my favorite at the time. Um, And as as uh, as always, when it comes to me, I always miss the mark. So I had gone to New York, came back, and discovered this beer. (laughs) So So you discovered it here. So I discovered it here, which I was like, darn it, I could have gotten a six point and had some, you know, on tap. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ever since then, it's become really, uh, it's something that I really loved and I've always searched for it and it's not always readily available. But I just found it again Mm -hmm. uh, just a few weeks ago at... um, uh, 310 mm-hmm. uh, liquor store where they have craft beer. So as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I got to have the girls nice. taste Nice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like a throwback for me. Okay. Okay. So that actually 
is good to know that um, even though it isn't always widely available, that you've had it more than a couple of times yes. here. Mm-hmm. So it's something that is uh, imported over here from yeah. the East Coast frequently, but not consistently. I'm sorry, strike that. I actually got this one at Torrance craft beer seller okay mm-hmm. and i remember this now because i was like oh my god i found it again it's kind of a kind of serendipitous happy moment when i see it um you know in stock and then i grab one or a, grab a six pack or whatever uh, but i told the guy at the counter i was like i'm so happy i found it again because i want to try i want the girls to try it and he's like yeah the uh rep came by and he brought some some um some beer and then we tried that and we and then he told me the other beers he tries cuz apparently he drinks with the reps uh, oh yeah 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 <laughs> at his place of business which you know that's awesome to have a yeah. job where you can do that so um it tells me that there is a rep and in this area, in this area yeah yes mm-hmm. It may not be for available. six point. Oh, that yeah. makes me want to taste some of their other stuff. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, the one that I've liked the most forever. But they have other brews mm-hmm. too that they sell in like a six pack. And like I said, it looks like a Red Bull. Yeah, it, it mm-hmm. it's twelve ounces. Um, it's a, a skinnier, taller can, but it's just like uh, you're right. It's like and it's super like not overstated it's very simple the mm-hmm. art is very simple there's just just the design for whatever reason is really aesthetically pleasing to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the green gold yeah and mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. there's another brew that it has kind of a, a, a um, kind of a baby blue but they're all in the same matte kind of finish. okay yes it's yeah. very matte yes mm-hmm. 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 it almost and, has like a satin finish to it mm-hmm. yeah satin. yes yes uh-huh. that's right mm-hmm. that's right so. I wouldn't go as far as like show. Yes, you're right, Satin. But um, yes. So this is a bit dated. This is older uh, as far as IPAs when they were f- coming out. Mm-hmm. It's not like new stuff like the haze and yeah. yeah. Hazy mm-hmm. has hit like in the last mm-hmm. year and a half, maybe right, right. or maybe mm-hmm. not hit, but gotten popular. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So this is kind of like an OG kind of like throwback. So mm-hmm. what do you guys think? For the first time, I finally understand what they mean by juicy hops. and i mean this in a good way Uh because that first sip i don't know why but it tasted really fucking good even Mm -hmm. though it was really hoppy yeah and Mm -hmm. so i kind of it's um how do i describe it it's almost like like when you drink orange juice and there's this like tingly feeling yeah uh on it that's what it is but it's for this i get that feeling that tingly feeling when i eat good cheese (laughs) yeah That too. It's just, it's really good. And it's just like, it It felt, it felt like I had more than what I had drank in my mouth. <laughs> Big load. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's really good. As I said before, I'm not really fond of the hoppy aftertaste, but it, it, it feels good swallowing it down. Yes. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Going down the throat. Going, going you know. That's what <laughs> You know, swallow. <laughs> so, she honestly, Jen is um, identifying a lot of things that I was trying to pinpoint as I was drinking it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super juicy. Mm-hmm. Super, yes. super juicy. Um, there is a hoppy aftertaste, but it's not a hoppy aftertaste, if that makes sense. Yes. It's, it's very... Yeah. Light. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can taste it right now on my tongue, but it's. It's I, not that bad. Actually, I don't taste it. I feel it. If that also makes sense, that also makes sense. But um, 
it's really good. It's very um, flavorful. It's it's a 9.1, so actually very misleading the way that it actually does taste. Uh-huh. Um, I, you definitely could get in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's definitely a quick, easy drink. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it's so thin, the cans are so thin, um, I, I'm more prone to buy the six pack than just one can. Oh, uh-huh. oh yeah. And yeah, that yeah. can get you into trouble. Yeah. Too. yeah. 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 So it's really, yeah, I, it's, it's gone, it's gone so far into the juicy territory that I think my brain is thinking it's sweet mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really impressed with this beer. Yeah. It's really good. It looks like they really took their craft and really honed in on it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and like I said, it's it's sporadically available around the South Bay. So look out for it. Yeah. It's really delicious. So are you ready to rate it? Yeah. Yes. So um, as a reminder, we have a five-point rating system with one out of five being, being flaccid, two out of five initial, three out of five partial, four out of five a full, and a five out of five is a rigid with a six out of five possible being a super saiyan. So, Sarah, what do you rate this beer? I'm going to go with Rigid uh, because I have had history with this one. It was one of the very first IPAs I tasted that I really liked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's actually what propelled me to pursue craft beer. Yeah. So Interesting. This was was kind of one of the only staples that stands out in my mind of the beer that propelled me to pursue craft That's beer. funny. We all Baby's have our craft. We all have our gateways. <laughs> Mine was Red Car Brewery. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, so, and I worked my way up from the electrolyte to the wheat mm-hmm. to the red and then the IPA. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't do the poor. Oh, pumpkin was in there every October. <laughs> um, so this is Kristen, and I also am going to give it a rigid. I really like it a lot. I I see myself traveling to beer um, Torrance Beer Cellar here pretty soon um, to grab some because it is so good. Um, very very refreshing. Very light. Very juicy. There is that that hoppy um, aftertaste, but it's not. Uh, yucky hoppy aftertaste like some might be mm-hmm. um, and I just love the can <laughs> <laughs> the can's really it's nice very I love can. the can <laughs> they made a very appealing can yeah. so. skinny <laughs> so this is Jen and I'm also going to go with a rigid as well because I'm very impressed with it uh, even when it looked like a Heineken bottle to <laughs> it me did at first. <laughs> so uh, I I really like it, um, um, and it's uh, I guess it's there's a a saying in cooking where like among professional chefs and stuff like that that the better the product is or the more fresh it is the least you have to do with it mm, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. to make it really and I feel like this captured that that they really emphasized on hops and how good that they can actually be. That it's like it in itself speaks for itself. That mm-hmm. all they had to do with the hops is just kind of like pour, pour it in, and they did really well with it. And enough that I can, I that I the thing that I didn't like the most is what I like the most about this is the hops. Oh, yeah, is that hoppy? Uh-huh. <laughs> because the the hoppy t- uh, the hoppy aftertaste doesn't stick or stick around for long, but it leaves like a like that orange juice tingling mm-hmm, that I was talking mm-hmm. about, and the like the. They the hops actually tasted good yeah. this time. So I'm I'm going to go with a rigid on this one. 
that's yeah. pretty awesome. You know, on the can it says beer is culture. So the whole thing is like really elegant. Yeah, it it is. Mm-hmm. Like uh like they've been doing it for years. And, <laughs> and I don't know. But that was our beer review, guys. And rating. And now, what book are we going to review today? Today we have a book published by a blue a a wave blue world um, publishing company, which is an independent publishing company, um, and they have a book called Meso M E Z O Rise of the whatever word this means that Jen is about to say right right now before right? I butcher it. <laughs> Okay, salakul. There we go. Okay, oh, okay. That's not even close to what I said in my mind when I read that word. Salakul. So um, it is created by Tyler Chin Tanner, Val Rodriguez, and Josh Zingerman. And we picked this book based on the title, Meso, because it, it definitely um, sounded super interesting. But the cover art is freaking amazing. Oh, absolutely. I agree mm-hmm. with that. It's beautiful. It, it Yes, it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is a, a, a female warrior, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and with a spear and feathers and just, it's just, the background is like a... Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's an eclipse Yeah, an eclipse. It's mm-hmm. just so amazing. It's, uh, it's really good. And uh, I guess they named it Mesel. Short for Mesoamerica. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it's with a Z instead of an O. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. I mean, I haven't seen anything like that. So good on them for like really kind of like twisting that around. Um, the I looked up some of the creators and Val Rodriguez, which is an artist for the later issues. Mm. Uh, he's a Brazilian uh, oh, interesting. artist, okay. a comic book artist. Um I don't know if Tyler Chintenner or Josh Zingerman are uh, Hispanic or Latinx. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't able to deduce that. But Val Rodriguez is Brazilian, so still going strong with the Latinx right. uh, theme. <laughs> um, um, but uh, this book was interesting. Uh, I'm trying to remember what book it was that we reviewed uh, that was by a Mexican artist, uh, and it had kind of been like uh latinx futurism oh that's right yes um i forgot the name of it mm-hmm. but i know which one you're i talking can picture about. it in my mind yeah <laughs> i can see the artwork in it and i i forget but that one had been a really good and i had praised it for being i had been expecting not to like it mm-hmm. um uh, but it i had praised it for being like a good uh kind of like latinx futurism that of the potential of kind of a sci-fi with uh, Latinx roots in it. Um, this is uh, more of a fantasy-esque mm-hmm. book, uh, more of a kind of like a grand storytelling uh, fantasy book, but it's it's really good. It has, uh, it has uh, influences of Mesoamerican culture, but there is no like saying Aztecs or Mayans or right. stuff like that. So yeah. they've kind of created their own, which I think is a good idea because instead of taking something from a group that right, uh, yeah. is from culture, you kind of create your own, but mm-hmm. still kind of give homage to the inspiration behind uh, these uh, these cultures that you're that you're um, 
replicating yeah. and representing. Uh, and so it was, uh, I was honestly expecting to be offended. <laughs> That's like legit. I was bracing myself to be like up in arms and like angry yeah. and like seeing something that would offend me. Uh-huh. Um, um, but I wasn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, when she was reading it, she's like, let me check to see if this is real. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. I was just like, hmm, I don't know about this, but it's, um, um, it's actually it's very well researched. Uh-huh. It's very close and similar to some of the of religions that I've heard about and that I know some of my family practiced. Mm-hmm. So there's like that general kind of like uh, Mesoamerican uh, synchronism going on as well, uh, because of course they each had their own distinctive uh, gods that they worshipped. Right. Like yeah. That. The Aztec gods weren't the Mayan gods. Mm-hmm. They weren't the um, uh, other indigenous people's gods so there was uh different ones and that actually has a big part in this book in the plotline of this yes. book uh-huh. there's a there's i guess two warring god uh factions right. slash beliefs cults or whatever mm-hmm. uh and it's uh it's really interesting and it almost has a message of just uh, like how faith can be abused and stuff like yeah. that mm-hmm. so i thought that was really really good and i also like the fact that he while it was inspired by mesoamerican culture he decided uh, to use a, another one that not a lot of people know about, but Teotihuacan, mm-hmm. which was a reigning kingdom before the Aztecs and Tenochtitlan and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's what it kind of like in, inspired the rest of Mesoamerica. Okay. So it's it's something that not a lot of people know about, mm-hmm. that there was a kingdom before the Aztecs. Yeah, I had like no that. idea. <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, and in the back, that's where the, they have like a little small, a small back matter page of the research yeah. and what it is that they were talking about. And uh, they, it was very well researched. And so uh, that is what I'm going to be praising about this book mm-hmm. is that you can tell that it was very well researched. None of it came out as super like condescending or super stereotypical or anything. It read like uh, like your usual fantasy piece. Mm-hmm. And I love fantasy. Right. And, the, but, and seeing it scattered and very well uh, attributed to stuff that I grew up with or like uh, symbols and stuff like that that I grew up with, uh, you can tell that they did do a good job and yeah. they were very careful about it. So uh, good on them for doing that. Uh, that and the artwork is gorgeous. Yeah, the artwork is the amazing. The artwork is absolutely gorgeous. And uh, it's how they draw the women, the men, the the fantasy creatures the forest the city everything about it is absolutely beautiful i i like it a lot i'm glad that you brought up um how they um they draw women and portray them in this book um Mm -hmm. there's an instance where uh one of the warriors who happens to be the princess of this other tribe gets captured and then um she's um tied down to a stake in the ground yeah and um then the the warriors that caught her are talking amongst themselves and they're like yeah you kind of get the the well first of all they start talking about how they can use her yep mm-hmm. uh, but but the i know thing exactly is, what you're gonna say like mm-hmm. i was thinking to myself oh my god it's the whole rape yep. thing again I yeah thought and i thought the was same like, thing mm-hmm. i was gonna i was gonna get really angry me i was too. ready to get offended but then they're me like too. yeah she could do the laundry yeah and she could <laughs> cook for us menial tasks and yeah. stuff yes. like that and i thought 
How refreshing is yes, this? Yes, I thought How the same amazing. thing in that I, yeah, exact that. spot. I was like, I was bracing myself Me too. To, for it too. Because unfortunately, it's a big thing in fantasy. Oh, yeah. That I was just like, capture the woman princess, make her a sex slave, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But this was, it was very refreshing to see. And just also the, almost the respect the women are drawn yes. in with as well. Because uh, the the woman who is captured she fights yeah. before all this. And yeah. she fights viciously. Yeah. Yes. She's like, I'm not going to go down without a fight. Right. You're going to have to put me down. They even ask her death or submission yeah. to our God. And yeah. she's mm-hmm. like, I prefer death. Yeah. yeah. And and then the, the guy's like, well, I pr- I'm going to choose mercy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's just outstanding. Outstanding. I mm-hmm. love this book. I, I like, <laughs> like you said, I was ready to get offended. And at first, thought i saw the cover and i was like this is great oh my god i'm so excited uh but then i saw i'm like oh wait um i don't think they're mexican uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like mm. but then i i kept reading and the artwork just caught me just yeah it was beautiful mm-hmm. just beautiful um the the action sequences are amazing yeah just amazing i mean I love the fight scenes. They're just so good. They're so dynamic. Yes. Yeah. And and, and even the flashback scenes are so mm-hmm. I mean the colors are so vivid and, yeah. and you get the sensation of like they're very the flashback. warm colors. Yes. Yeah. And um there's a lot of story going on in this. I mean, there's a lot of lead characters in this mm-hmm. that, uh, I mean, you have the saucer, you have mm-hmm. the other saucer, mm-hmm. you have the the princess and the queen. Mm-hmm. The queen came from being a slave girl. Yeah. To become the, the queen, the empress. Yeah. And, you know. And uh, she definitely has something, like, she has some inside knowledge. Yes. There's a lot of tidbits yes. of storylines scattered about that made me really want, okay, I want to read volume read two. Yeah, yeah you got to give it to me yes uh it's uh it's it's really good it's a good fantasy piece uh that has you can definitely see it was influenced uh by mesoamerican culture um, um or what we know of mesoamerican culture without being too stereotypical mm-hmm. um, um so it's uh it was it was a it was a nice refreshing read uh and i like the fact that in the back matter they point out that uh uh pre-columbian mesoamerica was built like city-states so there was a lot of interpersonal conflict that oh, went absolutely. on. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, but it wasn't always like super violent. It was usually for like for gold or merchandise and stuff. But then there's also the whole thing about conquest and stuff like that. And how conquest was happening even in uh, pre-Columbian uh, era be, uh, before the conquistadors came. But it was a different kind of conquest uh, that you can see. It was more of a like uh, who will lead thing mm-hmm. uh like a unification more kind or of when they captured their nobles that that was like a big prize yeah and how they would stop fighting when it was time to harvest yeah because <laughs> they had to they had to go back uh and like uh tend to the fields or like once they captured a noble it was just all fighting stuff like this. yeah boom <laughs> like the most lethal game of capture the flag <laughs> <laughs> um um it's so <laughs> um uh, but it was a. Uh, it was done well. The women were designed well, and you can tell that they were very different mm-hmm. as well. Um, um, not too voyeuristic. I mean, there was definitely a lot of sexually drawn women. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. But not. I like, like how the women are always drawn in two pieces. <laughs> <laughs> like, for whatever reason, women always have the little bikini top and mm-hmm. bottom. But they're not shying away from the men either. And like, oh gosh, and yes. the children are drawn very. Uh, 
very realistically as well. So it's it's pretty good. I mean, a lot of the men are shirtless too, and they're pretty buff. So oh, yeah, it's a oh yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I did like it. It read a lot like uh, a lot of the fantasy pieces that I read. Uh, when they're just beginning with like the first book mm-hmm. and everything, like you have uh, something is concluded, like or like the beginning of something is concluded, and then there's all these uh, other questions, like oh my god, what's gonna happen or stuff like that. Yeah, how are they gonna solve this? What's gonna go on? There's a new mystery introduced or a new character, which was a very cool character mm-hmm. in this one. Um, um, and there's like conflict, and there's like an ulterior motive thing going on. There's different religions, different beliefs. Uh, like a person who might become an ally later on, but kind of right now reads as an enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's really good, and I I like fantasy. I like the tropes of fantasy, and this really hit all the fantasy tropes that I find intriguing and that keep me reading. So yes, yeah, so some of the fight sequences and and you know the tribes and stuff like that. It it almost was a little bit reminiscent of like Game of Thrones. Yeah, for me, that's what mm-hmm. it said somewhere on here. Including for people who were loved for Game of Thrones fans missing their fix. Meso provides that same dizzying blend of rich, intricate world building and breakneck pacing, but with a Decidedly humanistic perspective. Yeah. And just like Game of Thrones, there's so many storylines going on at once, which I really <laughs> love because mm-hmm. they, they don't pull any punches. They expect the reader to keep up. Yeah. And I love that. I mm-hmm. love when they challenge us as a reader. Like Fegor has a very like uh very un parecido or very like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and I love it. I love the the art is amazing. Um I love the mm-hmm. fact that there's you know, um, the tree, the tree people. Those were cool. Yeah. Those were awesome. And yeah. then there was that, um, there was the world tree, which is female. Yeah. And uh-huh. the fact that she was drawn as a plump female, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. because she's full figured and I'm loving that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have nothing but good things to say. I mean, there's so many things, there's so many storylines that I could hit, but I really want the audience out there to go get this book because I promise you it's so amazing. And the fantasy uh, play on it is just so cool. I'm not really a fantasy reader, yeah. but mm-hmm. this is kind of a gateway fantasy book for me. So, like, I, I loved it so much that I feel that I could actually go on and read more fantasy. Yeah. So, and just to reference the other book that had similarities, this is Totec. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Totec. That's uh-huh. right. Totec. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I'm really happy with this book. Um, I did not expect to be so swept away when I started reading it. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Once I started, I couldn't stop. And when I stopped, I'm like, I want more. Mm-hmm. So so I just love the heck out of it. Well, I let you both go because you totally loved it and you really got into the story. I'm not a fantasy reader either, which is weird because I like fantasy movies. Yeah. And TV shows. <laughs> no, that's where I was too. So, but I am not a fan of most fantasy comic stuff that I am given. Um, oh. This, art-wise, was amazing. Um I almost would have preferred to just have all the art and no words. I was totally bored with the dialogue. That's fair. I was totally bored with it. It was very, very basic. And like I I, I was reading it just very like there was it was no intricacies in it whatsoever to me. And the writing came off as just super like. 
I don't I don't know what the I think I know what you're talking about. It came off as very um, um simple is a good word for it, but very um uh, very kind of measured and paced, almost stiff. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's very good uh, um, analogy. Very mm-hmm. stiff, mm-hmm. like and almost forced. Like we got to get this information out there, so I'm gonna have this character say this and this character respond to it, but not really any emotion in it. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, I enjoyed all of the cultural stuff, like the the religion stuff. That stuff really interests me mm-hmm. a lot. So I really enjoyed all that stuff, but there wasn't enough of it for it to drive me to want to read a number two. Uh-huh. So I'm glad that you guys <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, but it, and maybe I need to reread it. No, I but um, it was something that I was looking forward to just based on this cover. And then I was really disappointed with it. Yeah. Uh, no, I I get that. It's a fair critique because no, it's, it, yeah. it's a volume one and it's uh, the... The dialogue is almost stilted mm-hmm. uh, as well because it's. Uh, I almost want to. Say, I almost wanted to say that it was a generic fantasy piece, mm. but I'm a fan of right. generic fantasy. Yeah. So to me, <laughs> as I was reading more, it, yeah, I was just like, give me more. I want that world building. Yeah, uh, yes. and I've kind of grown accustomed to it. So it's. I think it's also kind of a fantasy thing as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of. Because uh, there's a lot of information they're trying to put out there. Yes, yeah. Because yes. there's multiple levels of the story that you need mm-hmm. to know, and that's actually what I really loved about this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do get what you're saying about stilted kind of dialogue, but I think I feel that that part is what I love about it because I love the fact that they're giving me all the information, but not at such a fast pace. There are some that just kind of you know <laughs> and I'm like whoa wait a minute what just happened uh-huh. but this didn't do that for yeah. me and like mm-hmm. I said I'm not even a fantasy uh, reader yeah. but mm-hmm. this could be my fantasy gateway book mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I know what you're talking about I kind of felt it too mm-hmm. but for me it's that's what I enjoyed yeah so mm-hmm. yeah okay that's fair uh, but the writer is a uh, Tyler Chin Tanner and he's the writer and founder and publisher of A Wave Blue World a wave blue world, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, like, uh, it's a play on a brave yeah. new world. Yes, yes, uh-huh. yes. yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so he's do- doing a lot. Yes, they oh. have a lot of, I don't know a lot, but they have other titles that are available on their website. And it's a small publishing company. And to be distributed through Diamond and be a small publishing company is no small feat. Right. So I definitely um, think that it's uh, their tr- their uh, trades are worth looking into. Mm-hmm. And like Jen and Sarah both said, um, the research that went into this yes. particular project is not lost on the reader at all. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely, in fact, uh, when you look up a, a brave new, uh, brave, no, I'm saying a brave new world, a wave blue, blue world. world. <laughs> <laughs> is it bad that the abbreviation is A-W-B-W? So I've been saying a uh, That's funny. Actually, um, there is a nonprofit organization that uh, uses this um, 
this acronym as well because it's a window between worlds and they mm. are a nonprofit organization that uses art as a healing tool for um, survivors of domestic violence. Oh, um, wow. So you actually um, get trained in providing this um, curriculum and you go into sh- domestic violence shelters and you provide it to both the children and the women. And mm. the pieces of art that come out of it is amazing. I actually was trained and did it th- uh, in shelters many, many years ago with the kids and the women, but mostly the kids and the stuff that they would come out with and the just expression that would come out in their pieces and just how it really did facilitate them dealing with what is was going on with them in their life was amazing. So that's a little tangent, but A Window Between Worlds <laughs> is something that um, I kept thinking of every time I saw AWBW, but there's this .org instead mm-hmm. of .com. But anyway... Um, on the website, which is awbw.com, it says um, a, a Wave Blue World is an independent publisher of high-quality graphic novels, anthologies, and art books with a focus on originality and cultural relevance. Nice. Mm-hmm. So they actually have that in their in their mission um, that that's, they they want to focus on cultural relevance. That's pretty good. That yeah. is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, so and just respect, the, respect, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. He also uh, taught English in Tarzana Oh, okay. In Costa Rica. Tanzania? Or Tanzania. Tanzania. Oh, wow. Tanzania? Did I? Tanzania? Tanzania? Okay, Tanzania. that's different than Tarzana. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I just skimmed through it and I'm like... I'm like, oh, Tarzana. Right. Tanzania. I apologize for that. That was Sarah. All hate mail directed to Sarah. Uh, yes, Tanzania and Costa Rica. And, and I was all, oh, really? Tarzana? Uh, Um, So are we ready to rate it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll go first. I'm Sarah, and I'm going to give it uh, tres coches and a cup of champurrado. I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, Like I said, I love uh, how they give us a lot of information on many storylines going on at once, uh, much like Game of Thrones. So I'm really loving that. I love the similarities to Game of Thrones, but I also really like the cultural relevance, and I love the art. Mm -hmm. So I say go pick it up. That's Sarah. So this is Kristen, and um, I'm going to give it two conchas just because um, based on the art alone, um, it's really amazing. Um, I would even just give it two conchas based on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm taking the one concha away just because the, the dialogue and writing just did not do it for me. And it was um, not enough for me to want to continue to read on to a number two. So I'm going to mm-hmm. give it two conchas. That's fair. Um I was going to originally give it uh, three conchas, but you made a good point about the dialogue. So I'm going to tone it down to two conchas, uh, mostly because, it again, it's another book that, uh, and I've said this before in other, in other uh, books that we've reviewed, is that it has the potential to be better. It mm-hmm. could have better dialogue. It could develop an absolutely even more amazing storyline down the line. So I'll reserve it for when it has like a really good heavy hitter. Uh, and I, but I, uh, I can't wait to read volume two. It's, uh, it should be. I want it to be good. I want it to be. I want it to be great. But for right now, two conchas. But the artwork is really beautiful. I do highly recommend it. And that was the review. Now it's time for On My Radar. 
And this is Kristen, and I have a book on my radar that I just read that came out last week, I believe. Um, and it is called Join the Future. And if there's anything that you know about me that I come that I seem to repeat over and over again is that I'm a fan of post-apocalyptic stories. And this is indeed a post-apocalyptic story written by Zach Kaplan. And um, I believe the art is by um, the last name of oh, Peter Kowalski. Um, Brad Simpson, and the letterer is Hosan Otsam Ots, Otsmain, uh, that last name I can't say, Otsmain Ihao, E-I-H-A-O-U. Sorry about that butchering. Um, but um, the premise is that in the future, everything will come together under the watchful eye of one small handful of mega corporations that just wants the best for their customers. Well, almost everything. There's one small town that's not playing ball, it turns out, and the mayor's daughter is causing a lot of problems all by herself. What she does forms the basis of Aftershock Comics' upcoming series, Join the Future. Well, it's not upcoming because it's already come out, but the first Mm -hmm. issue I read, and um, basically there is society... if if you read or not read, if you saw Wally and you see the culture and the society where everyone just has everything that they want at their fingertips and they've all gotten so like gluttonous and like just lazy that they can't even walk for themselves. They're all on the little motorized scooters and stuff. <laughs> this that was what I thought of when I saw the like um, good, perfect community that um, they want people to join. You get everything just like your health hair is like at the snap of a a finger and just like everything you could ever want in the world with either education or entertainment or you know your health or whatever is just right there but for some reason there is a faction of people who live outside of this realm that are doing it the quote-unquote old-fashioned way which means no telephones no ipods no technology whatsoever it shows them out there um like doing stuff like the old western days and we're not really sure why they don't want to be a part of it but there's something that's going on that they know that they um, want to stay away from and at the end actually there is a big conflict that happens at the end of issue one that you're like oh my god what's going on and it was so good the first (laughs) the first issue was so good that um, I was like oh my god I can't wait for the second one. So it's Aftershock Comics. Aftershock is a small independent uh, publishing company that is located in Los Angeles and they have amazing um, titles. So I highly, highly recommend this. Awesome. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. And today on Juntos y Fuertes, I'd like to spotlight Gabe Cheng. Gabe Cheng is the writer and creator behind For Molly, the comic book that we reviewed on one of our episodes that we totally loved. He is launching a Kickstarter campaign for book two. It starts April 22nd and goes on through May 22nd. So a whole month, right? (laughs) Yes. Please support your local comic creators. Absolutely. That was well said. Yeah, Gabe Chen, uh, he does that book about that one uh, find Molly is the dog. Yes. And they're... Uh, For Molly. F- uh, yes, and it's called For Molly. And we were very intrigued to see where the story goes um, because there's kind of like a s- 
uh, society. I wouldn't say society. Yes, like yes. Secret society. Yeah. Secret society of dogs and cats. And that can talk. That can talk and do all this cool stuff. And uh, so I'm interested to see what happens in book two. So you guys go ahead and mark your calendars. April 22nd is when the Kickstarter starts and it ends May the 22nd. Um, and you can find Gabe Chang's pen uh on Facebook, uh, they also have a For Molly Facebook page as well. So that's on my Juntos y Fuertes. All right, guys, it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out to Paper Designs by Miriam. And that's all one word on Instagram and Etsy. And we just purchased our very first custom-made Comadres y Comics a papel picado banner. And it's so awesome. It's beautiful. It's super cute and super inventive. I thought it was so amazing. I she had I ran across her on the marketplace on Facebook and she just immediately made our order and sent it to us. So I already have it at home. Oh, that's it's so cute. And it's super cute. You can check it out actually on our Instagram because um, she tagged us on it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you guys are in the market for a custom banner, whether you're getting married or you have a fiesta, a birthday-themed birthday party, you should definitely check out her page. She has a lot of cute stuff she makes and sells out of her Etsy store. Um, so, yes, that is a saludos to Paper Designs by Miriam. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this awesome episode. Uh, where can they find us, girls? You can find us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and also on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres where you can DM us. DM us. And you can no also... Clicks, please. <laughs> <laughs> you can also just email us directly to Comadres y Comics at gmail.com. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.